0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. A swing and a high fly
1: ball. Deep right field. It's a slam. This is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day Show, presented by Amron. How about the old Uncle Charlie here the pitch? Swing and a miss. Threw the fastball right by him, and he strikes him out for the third time. And that's eight Ks for the Cardinal Hurdle. Now, Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby with the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day Show. Presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. And
2: welcome into another edition of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren. I'm Chris Raby on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Mike Claiborne and Tom Ackerman are standing by in Florida. Our executive producer is Ben Boyd. Mike Anderson is here in our Cardinals Network studios. Dave Klein helping out this week as well. A busy show for you two weeks from tomorrow. The Cardinals will open up the 2018 Major League Baseball season at Citi Field in New York against the Mets. The roster continues to take shape, Performances continue to ratchet up, and we bring it all to you each and every week on the Cardinals Network. Coming up on the show, I'll sit down with Cardinals chairman Bill DeWitt Jr. We'll get his thoughts on the team and the coaching staff in part one of a two-part conversation that I had with him in his Jupiter office. We'll talk Matt Carpenter as the Cardinals' first baseman and slugger returned to the lineup yesterday and has put together a very, very productive, first two games back we'll hear from tony clark head of the major league baseball players association also check in with scott Rowland, who's on the cardinals hall of fame ballot that fans can continue to vote for at cardinals.com hof mike claiborne sits down with harrison bader and miles michaelis two cardinals trying to make impressions and succeeding so far this spring and we welcome back mark saxon cardinals beat writer who is back covering the team for the athletic, all of that and more, as we bring you another week's edition of Cardinals Countdown 2 opening day presented by Ameren. But as I mentioned, it's been a busy week as the roster continues to take shape and guys continue to get their work in for that and more. Let's get an update on what's going on in Jupiter as we hand it over to Mike Claiborne and Tom Ackerman.
3: Thank you very much, Chris. Well, Tom Ackerman is alongside where we saw the Cardinals this afternoon play one of their better games. They defeated the Houston Astros by a score of three to one. And Tom, there were two questions. Everyone was looking to have an answer today. One, Adam Wainwright, your thoughts? You know, I
4: think when this rotation was put together, there were a lot of questions to begin with. So there was one pitcher in this rotation who could go 200-plus innings, and that was Carlos Martinez. Everybody else wanted to know, can Luke Weaver do it? Is he going to be able to withstand the full season? Well, so far, Luke Weaver looks really good down here. Mike Awaka, I think you have to always make sure you watch his shoulder. But I think he'll be fine. He looks pretty good. Miles Michaelis had a strong comeback on Friday down here in West Palm Beach. And then Adam Wainwright, the biggest question mark of all. And, Mike, so far he's passed the test. I mean, there's no other way to say it. He was really good today. He went five innings. He didn't give up an earned run. He gave up one unearned run. He walked one. He struck out three. He gave up four hits. Mike, he has an ERA of .84 down in the spring. Now, it's spring training. It's not the big league season. What you're looking for is... His demeanor, his ability to throw pitches for strikes, and he's throwing everything in his arsenal for strikes right now. He does not seem to be a pitcher that's slowed down necessarily. He seems to be a pitcher to me that's changing the way that he does things and the way that he attacks hitters. I thought there were two
3: other factors that came into play today. One, he faced a really good lineup in the Houston Astros. I mean, they, brought, they were at home, so they had some pretty good hitters in the lineup. And two... Angel Hernandez was behind the plate, and and not to demean Angel, but let's face it, sometimes his strike zone can be a little erratic, and I thought he missed maybe one or two pitches for the most part. He stayed with Wainwright with regard to his breaking ball, and I thought Adam was rewarded with some really tough at-bats against some guys where he made some guys really look bad swinging the the bat. So overall, I thought his performance was, was solid, and if you're looking for a fifth starter, I think right now he's your guy which is going to put the pressure on the Cardinals because Jack Pilarity hasn't done anything wrong. Uh, Luke Weaver hasn't done anything wrong. Miles Michelis, as you mentioned, has really stepped up his game from his last outing that Chris and I had a chance to watch. So overall, you're rounding into shape at the right time.
4: Yeah, a couple of things that jump out to me. He hits Jose Altuve with a pitch, and then he comes right back and strikes out Carlos Correa. That tells me... It's a classic Adam Wainwright. His mind's in the right place. When things don't go right and he had two runners on at that point, he takes care of business, gets out of the inning. He gets out of the second as well after a double. Uh, he was in a pass ball, right? So things are mm-hmm. starting to unravel a little bit. There's a, a sacrifice fly that scores a run, but then he gets out of that inning with no further damage. And then in the third inning, you know, a leadoff walk. You're like, okay, here we go. Here come the runs. What does he do? Boom, Alex Bregman, double play and then gets out of the inning. So that's classic Wainwright. He doesn't get himself into too much trouble. He battles, gets out of things, and before you know it, he puts up five runs and gives up one unearned run. The other item
3: about Wainwright, you mentioned Altuve being hit by a pitch. Let's face it, Adam Wainwright's not going to break many panes of glass, but I think the issue of him trying to throw inside and establish himself is the only way he's going to survive. And I thought doing that and then, as you mentioned, getting the punch out of guns of uh, Correa, who had a really tough day at the plate today, uh, really said a lot about Adam and just trying to keep things mixed up. So when you get he and Yadier Molina behind the plate, those two great baseball minds, well, they'll figure it out quick what he's got and what he doesn't have. And... Uh, it's going to be fun to watch that fifth day this year, I think, as far
4: as the rotation is concerned. You know, it was interesting, too, that Carson Kelly was the catcher today, yeah. and, and I think that's really good that he was able to work with him also and do all of those things without Yachty's help. So that's good. Carson Kelly calls a great game himself. And then I, I know you want to talk about this bullpen because I, I liked it. I mean, I, Leon, been solid. Lions, Sheriff, Tuivalala, and, again, these are the Astros. They still were putting some good hitters out there, and in particular – Tyler Lyons looks strong to me, but I think that Dominic Leone gives me some reason to be encouraged about the back end of the bullpen. I'm still nervous that they don't have that classic experience closer, but at least they're throwing arms at the problem. And and right now, between Leone and Lyons and then you you have some others that you might be able to do uh, late in the game, I think the Cardinals will be okay for now until they figure it out. You know, that's a good point you make,
3: being okay until somebody springs a leak. They've got a lot of pictures, and, and, again, I think this thing will come down to who's got options, where you'll see the Memphis shuttle in play uh, for guys who are hot and for guys who are not hot. Uh, we'll see that, and if a guy's got a tired arm, then maybe he goes to Memphis and gets himself squared away. So I, I like it on the surface. Whether it'll work or not is something we'll have to wait and see. The other item today was Matt Carpenter. Uh, You know, obviously he's had the back injury and the shoulder injury that has really limited his activities here in spring training. But they turned him loose today. They let him play first. He made a couple of good plays over there.
4: But, Tom, uh, he can still swing the bat, and swing the bat he did. And we're going to hear from him later in the show. But listening to him talk, he was very confident about how he felt, that he was assuring us that he doesn't feel – The pain, he feels very fresh. He's been working really hard on conditioning and strengthening. And all he's done is go out there and get on base. He walked twice yesterday. And then on this Wednesday game against the Astros, his first start at first base, he looked good there. But at the plate's what we're talking about. He hits a laser of a line drive to start things off for him in the first inning, off Justin Verlander. And that was into the shift. He just smokes one past Altuve. And then in the third inning, after a walk to Tommy Pham, I mean, he launches a line drive that just kept carrying out of the ballpark into the grass in right center for a home run, a two-run shot for Carpenter in the Cardinals' first baseman, or is he a third baseman, or is he a second baseman? I mean, he said that I'll play all those positions if we need to get Jose Martinez some at-bats. We all need to be selfless is what he said. I'm starting to think this is a Matt Carpenter who senses – the, the time in his career, how he must be a leader, and how the Cardinals are actually pretty stacked offensively, and he can really play a part in that.
3: It, it's a unique lineup compared to what we've witnessed in the last couple of years. I still think Paul DeYoung is an X factor because if he can swing the bat in a reasonable manner, that means they won't pitch around Ozuna, or they'll have to pitch to Ozuna, and therefore DeYoung Young will have to be a respected hitter as well. So a lot of things still to unfold between now and opening day in New York, but you have to like the direction that the ball club is headed as we speak.
4: I do. I, I like the direction that the club is headed. I think that they are a playoff contender. I understand and recognize a lot of things that they did or didn't do in the off season doesn't sometimes make the headlines. But, you know, they did get Marcelo Zuna, and Marcelo Zuna, had uh, a three-for-three day today. I mean, he's starting to show that he can hit and show all those things. Yeah, he sure can. And he's going to be just fine. The Cardinals added a star to play in left field, and they did it three months ago. I mean, it was a long time ago that they landed Marcelo Zuna. So the Cardinals have put themselves in position to be a competitor in the National League, and they've set it up by the trade deadline if they need a piece I think they'll go get it. I don't think this team is going to throw it in by, by any stretch. I, I don't believe that they're out there saying, you know what, we're just going to be competitive. No, they're, they they want to go out and hang that, that 12th banner out there.
3: Well, I hope you're right. I know this. We better get out of here. I want to get in the car and listen to the rest of the show, Chris Raby. I know we've got a pretty good one set up. So why don't you tell our listeners all about it, and we'll look forward to talking to you real soon. Don't forget Cardinals in action tomorrow. You can hear it on the Cardinals Radio Network, Mike Shannon, John Rooney, with the call, Baltimore Orioles, or at Roger Dean Stadium. We're at the ballpark of the Palm Beaches. We're out of here. Chris, it's all yours. Cardinals tickets on sale now
2: and start at just $5. The 2018 season is full of great matchups and cool giveaways, including six jerseys, six bobbleheads, two rings, and much more. Get your 2018 tickets today at Cardinals. Com. Let's take a break. When we come back, part one of my two-part conversation with Cardinals chairman Bill DeWitt Jr. from his Jupiter office. That's next on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network.
1: This is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Ameren on OX.
2: Welcome back to Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Amherst. I'm Chris Raby on the St. Louis Cardinals radio network. Tonight, the first in a two-part conversation that I had with Cardinals chairman Bill LeWitt Jr. in his Jupiter, Florida office at the Cardinals Complex overlooking Roger Dean Stadium. Games underway. Spring training, only a few weeks left, and the club continues to round into shape. Our conversation covered lots of bases, including this team, cardinals coaching staff manager mike Matheny, and new additions criticism from the fan base and what he expects from adam wainwright in the final year of his contract all of that and more with cardinals chairman bill dewitt jr part one of the conversation now as dewitt reflects on what it's like to finally have as close to meaningful baseball as you can in the middle of the month of march with opening day in new york just two weeks away
5: it's great you know you work hard all offseason to put together a team and make additions and improvements, hopefully, and uh, it's good to see it all come together here, and it's hard to believe, but we have our opening game in less than three weeks.
2: Yeah, stuff just gets pushed up, and it comes quicker and quicker. Uh, do you like, you obviously wish the offseason was a lot shorter. We all wish that over the last couple of years, but, you know, once you get into GM meetings, winter meetings, winter warm-up, there are all these signposts, and I know we keep saying it, but once we get down here, it really is, you know, this year it was just couple of workouts before
5: we're on the field well the season starts earlier this year because of the new labor agreement where uh, there are more off days during the season and um, I think it'll work out well uh, at frankly it's good to get down to Florida a little bit earlier to be honest and um, I think uh, you know you're right there are signposts along the way I always feel like our winter warm-up weekend where we have the writers dinner is kind of the kickoff of the season and um, And, of course, the Hot Stove League begins as soon as the end of the World Series and uh, still going on, really. There are a lot of unsigned players out there. Uh, But generally by spring training, uh, things have pretty much settled down, and we have our team.
2: You know, with with that being said, does this feel any different this spring? Uh, Obviously, I know people that we talk to, fans that we talk to, questions I'm sure you get at the winter warm-up. People are not used to the St. Louis Cardinals being outside of the postseason. In terms of the industry – a lot of the talk is about players that don't yet have a home. Does any of that make this time feel different as opposed to recent history?
5: Well, we've had 10 straight winning seasons, and the last two uh, seasons we've missed the playoffs barely by one game two years ago and last year by uh, uh, several games, but we were in it right to the end. So, um You know, we're where we need to be. Uh, Hopefully we'll have another winning season, make it 11 straight, and uh, get into the playoffs and do some damage once we get there. But um, I I think it's going to be an exciting year. Hopefully our guys will stay healthy. Some of the young guys come through for us, and, uh, you know, we could have a great season.
2: I'm wondering, from your vantage point, what high, high, high expectations do. And as you just said, the winning season's, Mike Matheny, I believe, is second right now, winning percentage active managers. He's in the top 20 winning percentage for managers all time who have managed five or more years. But do you understand some of the, I don't want to say unrest, but fans getting antsy when they're used to winning? And frankly, it's probably just disappointment that you were in the playoff race the last two years. Two years ago, it was the final day of the season. That Sunday, you had a chance. This year, you were... You know, at the top of the division, in the last couple of weeks. Do you
5: understand, or, or does it strike you as, I guess, odd that, that fans get so antsy with your track record? Well, I think they should get antsy. We all want the same thing, and that's to to win every year and to be in the postseason and, uh, you know, get to the World Series. That's that's what we want, and it's great the fans want it too. Um, and the expectation should be high. They are high. Uh, we've had good teams for a number of years, and. Uh, hopefully we can continue to have good teams. So, um, you know, it's uh, – I've talked to fans who have trouble watching the ninth inning. I mean, I think it's stressful for me, but it's stressful for fans. And, um, you know, it's a good thing because we've got a great fan base that really care. And, uh, you know, we're going to draw over $3 million again, and it, it's just terrific.
2: Let's talk about your manager. I just rattled off some of the numbers, what he has done at the – control of, of that clubhouse and, and of this team is is pretty remarkable. And, again, with great success comes great expectation. How have you seen Mike as a manager grow uh, since that 2012 season with, with everything that you guys have accomplished together, Bill?
5: Well, he came in never having managed. Of course, he played a demanding position as catcher, uh, was a gold glove catcher. Uh, highly regarded as a, as a pitch caller and manager of staffs, and so he had the uh, the knowledge base, uh, certainly, to be a good manager, but it's not easy when you step into the Major League uh, locker room and become a manager, not really having coached, for that matter. He'd done some work for us in the minor leagues, uh, but he acclimated pretty quickly, and we, we got off uh, running that year and, uh, you know, did pretty darn well, and Tracker record's been good ever since. I do think this year we've beefed up our coaching staff, not to say we didn't have a good one before, but uh, we missed Jose Oquendo. He's such an a- asset to the club. Uh, getting Willie McGee full-time, he used to come down to spring training, but you know that would be for a couple of weeks or something. And now to have him here every day, uh, that's, a, that's a great asset for the organization. We think of Willie as such a great player and Uh, personality and popular player, but he's so knowledgeable on the baseball front. Uh, You know, the outfielders and and all the players, the culture he brings to the clubhouse is really without equal. Uh, So those are two really important Cardinal additions. Um, Mike Maddox has had a great career as a pitching coach. Obviously comes from a decorated pitching family. His brother, Hall of Famer. Uh, Mike had a nice career himself. Um, And You know, I think our our staff's pretty hard to beat at this point. Mike said that one
2: of the reasons, Mike Maddox, uh, we've got too many Mikes around now, your general manager, your manager, your pitching coach. um, He said that one of the reasons that he wanted to come here was because of his admiration for you, for this franchise, that he's always admired the Cardinals and thought about being a part of this organization. When you hear not just a player, but someone like Mike Maddox, who has had opportunities to manage at the big league level, has had success at the highest level, has worked with some of the game's best pitchers, um, is part of the family that he is. When he says something like that, what, what do you think about
5: It's impressive. Uh, coaches and players like coming to the Cardinals. Uh, it, just because we've you know, got a great franchise with a terrific fan base, we draw well, uh, we've had a history of su- success for a long, long time, close to 100 years. And, you know, people respect that. Uh, We respect it ourselves and and try to maintain and uphold that tradition of of winning and uh, success and, uh, you know, doing what's right for the fans and having the best facilities. So to have someone like uh, Mike Maddox come in. And, by the way, we, we do separate the mics uh, by nicknames. G- Mike Gersh is always just Gersh. Uh, Mike Maddox is Mad Dog. Uh, so you don't hear too many mics called out. Uh, Mike is Matheny, Waka's <laughs> Michael. So we do have some distinguishing uh, nicknames along the way.
2: I don't ask this to diminish anyone else, but who gets – the bigger ovation opening day, Jose O'Kendo or Willie McGee, are they equal? Is that 1A, 1B? Those have got to be the two loudest, right?
5: I certainly think so. I, Willie McGee, I, I think, uh, you know, I don't know how you beat him on an ovation because whenever he's been on the field, the ovation he gets is pretty much without equal. But Jose O'Kendo uh, is so admired by the fan base, it's going to be a tough call there. Also, I think you're going to see a pretty rousing uh, welcome for Marcelo Zuna. Fans are smart. They know what kind of talent he is and what he brings, not only uh, on the field and in the lineup as probably the cleanup hitter, but his personality is really engaging, and the fans are going to love him too.
2: We'll circle back to your club in a moment, but um, talking about your manager and the coaching staff, but the manager especially, is baseball the one sport where – There is as much second-guessing afterwards as there is reacting to what's going on in the moment in other sports. I guess maybe football with a play call here or there, but it seems like even though it's players executing or not executing or having someone execute better than them, so often maybe it's just the day-to-day rhythm of the season. We focus, for better or for worse, on decisions sometimes, and it seems almost to overshadow – what happens on the field? And Mike, at least from my vantage point, and I've told him this, seems to fall on the side of some unfair criticism or second-guessing, which is exactly what it is, second-guessing. And you don't
5: necessarily hear it when it works. Well, that's true. And I think most fans think along with the manager and think in their mind, what what would I do in this situation? I'd do it myself. Uh, you know, it's part of the – But you're the boss. <laughs> well, it's part of the enjoyment of the game. Right. I mean, it, it, baseball is such a strategic game. There's so many decisions that are made. Should a player take an extra base? You know, should you walk someone? Should you bunt? Um, you know, should you pull the pitcher? Should you hit for the pitcher? You don't see that in other sports too much. You do see, as you said, in football, some play calls. But you, you don't really question why some players playing versus another they pretty much have their set lineups. Um And there aren't those kinds of decisions in the game itself of, you know, why did a quarterback throw it at a certain receiver? You don't hear that that much. Here it's, gee, why why did the guy try to go from first to third and he got thrown out? Why didn't he tag up and score on that fly ball? A lot of it is second-guessing because those who don't think ahead and just watch the game, you know, they look back and say, well, if he'd done it another way. The thing about it is – The odds are so close together on so many decisions that there are, you know, you could go one way or the other and not be right or not be wrong. And, you know, sometimes I think something should happen and maybe something else does and it may turn out better. Uh, It's just, uh, you know, you're playing odds and the odds in most cases are very close.
2: Thank you to Cardinals Chairman Bill DeWitt Jr. That is part one of our two-part conversation. The rest of it, including the team on the field and a focus on what lies ahead for the talent in the clubhouse. Next week. When we come back, Matt Carpenter, plenty of talent in the Cardinals lineup, and he is back. Two big games for Carp in his return yesterday and today. I have a feeling the best is yet to come. We'll hear more after this on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Amron. Chris Raby, Mike Claiborne, Tom Ackerman, with you, Mike Anderson, here in our Cardinals Network studios, and we're back after this in the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network.
1: This is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day Show, presented by Amron on KGMOX. Welcome
2: back to Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day. Chris Raby with you on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Tom Ackerman and Mike Claiborne are helping out this week in Florida as well. Well, Matt Carpenter made his return yesterday to the Cardinals lineup, drawing a couple of free passes in two plate appearances, and today made his return known, facing Justin Verlander and looking in midseason form.
4: Here's Carpenter with the runner going. Carpenter swings and lifts it into right. Deep back to the wall, and it is gone! A home run for Matt Carpenter. A two-run shot for Carpenter, his first of the spring. Matt is two for two on the season with two walks and a two-run blast, and the Cardinals have taken a 2-1 lead in the third.
2: That's right, a home run for Carpenter today off of Justin Verlander as the Cardinals' first baseman today went 2-for-2 two two with the home run, two runs driven in. Carpenter now is a perfect 2-for-2 two two and has reached base all four times. He's appeared after the two walks yesterday. Tom Ackerman with more after Carpenter got his feet wet yesterday, drew two walks, and seemed happy with getting back into the action.
6: I wanted to go into that first at really aggressive, but... Just, I mean, he four nowhere close. And then second at bat, um, I really, I just took an at bat, and he he uh, made some pitches that I had to foul off, and you know worked ended up working for a walk. And for me, I mean, you know that's that's who I am right there as a hitter anyway. So it, you know, it felt good to to miss as much time as I did, but to be able to go out there and, and do what I wanted to do um, from from just a you know approach standpoint.
4: After taking the proper precautions down here in Jupiter, Carpenter is ready to go for 2018 with just a little more work.
6: If this was you know something that would have happened in you know September, not have played two weeks ago, but um, you know with with the fact that we don't want it to happen in a season, they're just extra careful and knowing that we had some time and, I, and you know I'm a guy that doesn't need a ton of time to get ready so, just being smart with it and and I feel great um, I think it was the right thing to do and I still got you know two weeks to to get dialed in at the plate and I'm ready to go. Looking forward to get out on the field too. Yeah I'm excited. I should be playing first tomorrow and um, really get my feet wet there and um, and hopefully just have a normal day. What did you think of the lineup today in the offense? I mean our lineups got a chance to be really good you know you look at what could potentially be our one through four um, was what we saw today i mean there's just no we got some guys that can really get on base and you see what happens when guys are on base and uh you know you got a guy like you know hosey driving them in um we just got a chance to be really good,
4: especially if Marcelo Zun is at the plate and either Fowler, Fam, or Carpenter, or a combination of the three, are on base.
6: I mean, the, having people on base just it just changes things for easy hitter when you're struggling or if you're not, you know getting off to a great start. I know when you have somebody standing out there, it just, it, there's something that it just does for you. And like I said, our, our potential one through three, you know, you're talking about three guys that could could go over three seventy or. Or more, in on-base percentage. That's it's gonna be a lot of guys on base, so um, it's got a chance to be really good. Just, you know, got to be healthy, and we got to find ways to get everybody in there. I and mean, you look at, I you mean, know, Jose's proven he's one of our top nine hitters for sure. You know, we just got to find ways to get him at bats, and and everybody, you know, find them out what their role is. And um, but I like what our offense is capable of. It's, it's got a chance. I mean, today was a really good example of that. You know, in the first inning, um, you know, Dexter gets on Tommy. You know, got out, but um, you know, you get into these two-o counts where, uh, you know, I just know that I mean, he didn't throw a strike, but he wanted to just throw fastballs for strikes, you know, and because he doesn't want to put me on base for Ozuna, and you can just feel that as a hitter. And I mean, I just can't stress enough how important that is for your middle lineup guy, where you have that kind of protection um, and you have the threat of the guys on base in front of you. It's just, it does. You know, so much for 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 that for, for the lineup and for that player. So I love it. I mean, you know, but really, you look at our lineup and what we can potentially put out there. I mean, there's really you could any anywhere you're you're protected possibly. I mean, there's some there's we're so deep, um, but. We should be it should be a good good year for us offensively.
4: Carpenter at the moment is slotted again as the number three hitter after years of serving as the Cardinals' leadoff man.
6: Yeah, I mean, but my approach is going to be the same no matter what. But I just think what it's going to do is, you know, I, I experienced this in my short time in the three hole last season, you know, with with the way we started off as a club and Diaz um, struggling in the two hole and we really didn't have a cleanup hitter. Um, you know, I, I just found myself in a lot of hitters' counts where they were just like. We'd rather walk you. It's fine. You know, you're going to walk anyway, so go ahead. So um, I don't feel like that's going to be the case this year. You know, it's like they don't want to add somebody on a base for someone who hit 30 home runs last year. It's just something and drove in 100. So, you know, you're not going to see that. So I think you're going to get more pitches to hit, and they're going to try to come after you a little different way and not kind of thumb her. Thumb you to death and all that sort of stuff
4: which brings us back to jose martinez who is driving in runs down here in spring training again and looks every bit of the right-handed threat that he was last year for the cardinals at the start of the year and throughout how does matt carpenter look at the two playing together
6: well yeah i mean i've been in, i've been in his shoes being the uh you know being one of the being one of the top nine hitters on the team but not having a position you know and um you know, I was that guy in 12. Uh, you know, we had guys like Carlos Beltran and Lance Bergman. But there's two things that I know, and I've been a part of this long enough to understand what you think you're going to have from an offensive or from a lineup standpoint isn't going to be the same thing. Someone's going to get hurt. Someone's going to struggle. That just happens every year. And, um, you know, that that ninth guy or that, you know, first guy off the bench ends up getting 400-something bats anyway. You know, just, it just always works out that way. So, um we got to find a way to get him in the lineup because he can really swing it. And one of the luxuries um, that we have with this club is uh, I can play, I can move to second for a day, move to third for a day. Um, You know, he can play first, he can give an outfit or an off day. So I think there's many ways that we can do it to where he's going to find plenty of chances to get in there. And I think as a group, we just got to be able to understand and take the kind of the selfless mindset of, you know, when you're getting a day off, it's for rest, it's, you know, we have enough guys where we can do that. So um, I think that's where we're headed with it.
4: In fact, Carpenter is prepared to play multiple infield positions to allow Martinez an opportunity to get more at-bats.
6: That's the plan. I think we're going to get that in. Um, I think I'm going to play second by the end of this week and then um, get a few games at third next week. So just so we're... Ready for it if it happens during the spring.
4: And since he hasn't played, Carpenter's energy is certainly up here in mid-March.
6: For sure, I feel, you know, I feel great. You know, my physically feel like I got a ton of energy. I haven't done anything, excited. And you know, my plan is to, um, you know, everybody kind of hits a low in the middle of spring. It's, 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 you know, it feels like it's like two or three weeks too long. And uh, I'm not going to get to experience that. So. I'll be ready to go.
4: For Countdown to Opening Day, I'm Tom Ackerman. Let's send things back to Chris Raby.
2: Thank you, Tom. And wow, was it great to see Matt Carpenter back over the last couple of days and hitting that home run off Justin Verlander today. Carpenter talking about the fact that he doesn't want to sell out for power and sacrifice his batting average or on base percentage, but I have a feeling that he is going to be fantastic wherever he ends up at the Cardinals lineup this year. You start to envision some of the possibilities with Dexter Fowler leading off, a switch hitter, Tommy Pham a right-hander, Carpenter a left-hander, Marcelo Zuna a right-hander, and then however the rest of the chips fall, including Paul DeYoung, Yadier Molina, Jed Jerko, Colton Wong, of course Jose Martinez has coming off the bench. Just so exciting as you look up and down this Cardinals lineup for 2018. Well, while the Cardinals and other teams are on baseball, pencil players into their lineup. Still a handful of guys without teams. Tony Clark is the head of the Major League Baseball Players Association. We'll hear from him next as he was at Cardinals camp in Jupiter earlier this week. That's after this break on Cardinals Countdown to opening day. Chris Raby, Mike Claiborne, Tom Ackerman with you. Mike Anderson here in our Cardinals Network studios. And we're back after this in the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Work.
1: This is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron on OX.
2: Welcome back to Cardinals Countdown to opening day on the Cardinals Radio Network. I'm Chris Raby. Tony Clark has been a busy man as he makes his tours of Major League Baseball camps as the executive director of the Major League Baseball Players Association. Mike Claiborne, a chance to pick the brain a little bit of Tony and check in on the landscape of the game, its players, and the 2018 season. So what's been the, the
0: sentiment with the players? Well, the players, players are involved and engaged. You know, this... Uh this spring training on the heels of, uh, of what I will call an unprecedented offseason. Um, guys have a, a lot of interest across a number of levels, and it's, it's, it's great to see uh, the level of engagement that we, we have from, from young guys to the veteran guys as to what it is they're seeing, why it is they're seeing it, um, their understanding of it uh, in general, their ability to speak to one another as a result and stay engaged. Uh, as a result, has, has been uh, fantastic all spring. When you,
3: when you have players that are sitting at home at this stage of the season, what's the, what do you say to them at this point? Because this is uncharted territory for a lot of players.
0: No, it is. There, there's no doubt about it. Um, and it's not just that we have guys at home. Uh, unfortunately, every offseason ends up having guys at home. But what we're seeing right now is a, is a quality of player that is far different than anything we've seen before. And that begs a number of questions, uh, including uh, you know, why do we find ourselves in a place with that kind of, of, of player and what he can bring to a club in helping a club win and him being available in the middle of, of March. Um, it's a concern. Uh, we obviously uh, stay connected to the guys from the standpoint of, of – staying connected and we don't know any of the details as to any conversations that they're having specific conversations that they're having with clubs um but to the extent that you know we're aware when phones aren't ringing the vast majority of phones haven't rung um it just begs the question as to to why uh so uh, those are the same questions that the guys are asking themselves, uh, not just the guys that are out there, but in every clubhouse we go into. These guys are all connected from the standpoint of appreciating guys that they played with or they played against and the value that those guys bring to the table. And when we're sitting here um, with a number that we have not seen in 20, 30 years, it, it just begs the question of, of the how and the why. Educated guess on why? Well, uh, as I've, I've offered in, in, in nearly every, every – uh, uh spring training session with the media that we've had we believe that there's a there's a competitive issue here that you know every our our cba is designed and we have four more years on it but our cba is designed uh to provide support to all 30 teams such that every year year in and year out they can be in the best position possible to compete you guys hear it being around it every 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 spring training. hope springs eternal that's that's kind of the the tagline um But when we have what we believe is upwards of a a third of the league that doesn't seem to be as interested in being the last team standing, um, it just begs a number of questions as to what makes sense now and moving forward in that regard. And and when you have players out there that can undoubtedly help teams win, um, the questions increase. uh, And when there's, there's public banter out there, uh, from the club, suggesting that they're not as interested in being that last team standing. I think all of that is a concern for any of us who are connected to the game. Back to wrap
2: up this hour of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day next on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network.
1: This is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amran on KMOX.
2: Cardinals tickets are on sale now and start at just $5. The 2018 season is full of great matchups and cool giveaways, including six jerseys, six bobbleheads, two rings, and much more. Get your 2018 tickets today at cardinals.com. Chris Raby with you, Mike Claiborne, and Tom Ackerman are in Jupiter, Florida. Thank you to Bill DeWitt Jr. for joining us in our first hour. Also heard from Matt Carpenter and Tony Clark. Hour number two. Coming up, we will lead off with Scott Rowland. He's on the Cardinals Hall of Fame ballot. Also, we'll hear from... Harrison Bader and Miles Michaelis, two guys who are looking to make impressions in a big way in Cardinals camp. Michaelis, fantastic his last time out. Bader, as well, has been great. Mark Saxon is back on the Cardinals beat for the Athletic. We'll check in with the scribe. And Martin Coco will fill us in on the Cardinals Budweiser Ballpark Pass. It's back, and fans I know are excited to be able to learn how they can get into every single Cardinals regular season game save for opening day for less than 30 bucks a month. That's all coming your way on Hour 2 of Cardinals Countdown 2 Opening Day, presented by Ameren, Chris Raby, Mike Claiborne, Tom Ackerman with you. Mike Anderson is our producer in the studio, and we're back after this in the Cardinals Radio Network.
1: A swing and a high fly ball. Deep right field. It's a slam. This is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day Show, presented by Amron. How about the old Uncle Charlie here? The pitch. Swing and a miss. Threw the fastball right by him, and he strikes him out for the third time. And that's eight
7: Ks for the Cardinal Hurts.
1: Now, Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby with the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day Show, presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network.
2: Welcome back to Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Emmer and I'm Chris Raby on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network off and running with the second hour of the program. Cardinals tickets on sale now and they start at just five bucks. The 2018 season, man, it's full of great matchups and cool giveaways, including six jerseys, six bobbleheads, two rings, and much more. Get your tickets today at cardinals.com. Voting continues for the Cardinals Hall of Fame. It's been fun to profile some of the men onto the ballot. And for more, we turn it over to Tom Ackerman.
4: Okay, Chris, thanks very much. I'm Tom Ackerman here with Scott Rowland, who is on the ballot for the Cardinals Hall of Fame. Scott played for the Cardinals from 2002 to 2007, and he put up some big numbers. 111 home runs to start with, 453 RBIs in his 661 games as a Cardinal. But Scott, also one of the finest fielders we've seen in Cardinals history. Without question, he won gold gloves in 02, 03, 04, and in 06. He was a silver slugger in 02. He was an all star from 03 through 06 and a world champion, as we all know, in 2006. That was some runs, Scott Rowland. It's great to have you on the Cardinals Radio Network. How are you?
7: Well, I'm doing great. I appreciate it. Sounds better than I remember.
4: <laughs> That's a pretty good deal, and it, and it was definitely a great time to be playing in the Cardinals organization. I mean, what a tear you all went on! And really, you think about, there were some other chances to win World Championships too in that run.
7: There, there were. Uh, it, it was uh, from a, from my perspective, from a player perspective, and at the time, I, I changed at that time from a from a player to a father as well. So that's kind of uh, milestones in your life where, you know, I got, I got traded from the Phillies in 02 and came over. And in Philadelphia, you know, we were we were in a transition period at that time. And, um, you know, I was had some of the most service time on the team as a four-year player at that point. So it's very difficult to compete and, uh, and, and win at that time. And, and you're not learning – all the lessons maybe that you that you could, and the lessons I learned when I got traded over to St. Louis. So, so some of the biggest points that that I recall from St. Louis was I, I kind of went from, you know, a situation that that a rebuilding situation to right into a veterans, you know, grown men. Not that the the Phillies, you know, weren't grown men, but like I said, I was 23 maybe, and one of the oldest guys on the team at that time, or 24. So, you know, you walk into you know Chris Carpenter, Matt Morris, Woody Williams, Mike Matheny. You know this this type of group of human beings as well. And uh, and Jeff Supon, You know I don't I don't want to leave anybody out. But uh, you know you realize that wow this is a this is a change of culture, a change of atmosphere. And this is this is the way it's supposed to be. It's, it's grown men with with wives and kids and families. You know doing their job. You know it's not just showing up to nighting practice at three because you're supposed to be there at three is you're going there to get your work in to do your job and then you're going to go home and be a dad so that was a big that was a big part of my career that I think helped me understand the game a little bit more helped me understand what it's you know it's about to to be an adult and and you know to be a a grown man in a kid's game, so to speak.
4: I remember the day that you were traded, and, boy, that got everybody's attention, knowing that Scott Rowland was going to be part of this organization. And I, I reached Tony Larusa. I called him, and I said, where are you going to put Rowland, meaning in the batting order? And he said, third base. <laughs> so right. he, was, he was just so excited to have you and to be part of this group. And it was one heck of a run. In 03, though, uh, it started off, you, you guys didn't make the playoffs. I remember that great rivalry with the Cubs. But things started to turn in 2004. You talk about the lineup. You had Albert Pujols, Scott Rowland, and Jim Edmonds. They called it MV3. Any of you could have won the most valuable player that year. That was some lineup you stacked together.
7: Yeah, no, that was um, that was fun. That was, that was a good time. And we kind of... Uh... We kind of relied on each other. You know, Albert was probably the best hitter in baseball. Well, I'm sorry, Barry Bonds. I shouldn't say that.
0: <laughs> Barry
7: Bonds was still in that group. So that's uh, when you said any of us could have possibly won it. We forgot about him. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, Albert spent a long time being the best hitter in baseball, you know, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, well, he's hitting third most of the time. And Jimmy and I have gone back and forth a little bit between fourth and fifth. So, you know, if you're if you're the opposing pitcher, the opposing manager, opposing pitching coach, um, you know what helped Jimmy and I is knowing that you can't let Albert beat you. You know, there's no way that you can let Albert beat you in that lineup. So, you know, that generally put Jimmy and I in a good position to drive runs in to get some RBIs, whether he's hitting fourth or fifth. And you know, he was a constant home run threat, and Jimmy was from the left side, and I was I was trying to bunt a single over the second baseman Ted or anything else that I could possibly do. So. You know, we fell into, it was a, a nice point in all of our careers, and I think that uh, complemented each other pretty well to, to know that we, Jimmy and I had responsibilities as well, that it wasn't one guy hitting behind Albert. It was two guys hitting behind Albert.
4: There was a great moment, none bigger for you at the plate than in the sixth inning after Albert doubled off Roger Clemens, one of the greatest pitchers of all time. Game seven of the 2004 NLCS. That brought you to the plate. Mike Shannon with the call.
1: Here's He could give the Cardinals the lead. The pitch to him. Swing and get up, baby. Get up, get up, get up, get up. Home run. Rowan has just given the Cardinals a 4-2 lead. He smoked it off of the McBride and home builder's sign. Down the left field corner. Listen, listen to Cardinal Nation.
4: It's an awesome call from Mike Shannon, and it's great video as well because the crowd went absolutely out of their minds. The place was shaking at that moment, and seeing you sprint around the bases, that classic home run sprint, is one of the great moments in Cardinal history. Scott, what is it like for you to hear that?
7: I just got goosebumps. I'm trying to drive, too, so I don't know if that's good. (laughs) Now that was good. I don't think I've ever heard that call on the radio the whole way through. I I saw it on TV a few times. Uh, but yeah, no, that was a great call, and that captured it pretty well. That's kind of what I was feeling running around, uh, running around the bases right there for sure. It, it was a, uh, you know, that's as good a series as I've ever played in in my life. I mean, that's as good. I don't think there's. I didn't play in any better baseball. I'm not saying that I played good baseball. I'm saying that the baseball that was played on the field between the two teams, you know, two groups of professionals that were matched up, you know, daily, and uh, what a great series. That was probably, like I said, the best series I ever played in. So to have an opportunity right there where I was probably Clemens' last hitter at the time uh, with Edmonds on deck, I think they had a lefty up, and uh, I hadn't been swinging the bat overly well, and I I never really got overconfident on the field, um, you know, by choice. You know, I kind of tried to stay at at an emotional level that I could maintain and handle, and, uh, you know, that was one of those when they came out and talked to Clemens right there, and I was – Seeing if they were going to leave him in there or not. And I had, uh, I was standing on deck and, you know, I had a moment where I, I had a, a burst of confidence where I thought, wow, I don't think it's going to go too well for him. And, uh, you know what? He happened to throw a pitch in the spot that I could get it and, and uh, it, it went really well for us and, and <laughs> not as well for him. So, You know, I was right one time in my career,
4: maybe. It was an incredible moment, really was. The Cardinals won the pennant. They went on to the World Series, lost to the Red Sox in four games, one of the greatest Cardinals teams of all time in 2004. Did not win it, but they would two years later after another good season, in 05 that fell short. The Houston Astros got you that time and went to the World Series. Scott, in 06, you won it all, and the Cardinals were world champions for the 10th time. In your mind, what was the key to that 06 team catching fire coming out of that regular season and playing the Padres?
7: Yeah, I wish I had that answer for you Mm -hmm. because that would make me sound really smart. But a uh, really smart baseball guy if I had that answer, but I, I don't I don't have that answer and to tell you the truth, that O four Red Sox where we got swept, uh I remember plainly, you know, I was back at home and my wife and I were walking the dog and had the baby in the stroller at the time and, and uh you know, I said I said to her, it's just it was literally two or three days after we we lost that and traveled home and I said, you know, I don't I'm never gonna win a World Series. You know, and she's asking me what I'm talking about. And I said, because if that, if that team doesn't win, then I don't know, you know, I don't know what, what it looks like to win a World Series because we had all the talent in the world in 04, great professionals, great players, great adults. We were cohesive. We hung out together. Our wives hung out together. I mean, we weren't missing anything. And we got killed, you know, in the, in the World Series. So I kind of resigned myself like, man, Okay, we're just going to keep pushing, but apparently that's not going to work for me. And so maybe one of the, oh, I don't want to say uh, least talented teams. I'm not going to say that, but certainly talent position by position didn't match up with that 04 team in um, 06. And all of a sudden, you know, we, we make it to the playoffs because the Astros lose. You know, everybody says, well, you backed into the playoffs, which was fine with me. The worst regular season record, I think, in the history of baseball to make the playoffs. And by and large, we walked through the World Series. I mean, yeah, we were certainly tested, uh, you know, in New York at the time, but, you know, Detroit, we didn't match up with Detroit very well, and, and we handled them, handled them pretty well and walked through and won a World Series. So the answer I don't have for you, but I know we enjoyed it, and, and it was a good group of guys, and we got hot and clicked at the right times.
4: Baseball is just an amazing, beautiful game, and, and you played it extremely well, Scott Roland. You were a joy to watch especially here in St. Louis, but throughout your career. And we're certainly proud of all that you've accomplished, one of the greatest third basemen, and there would be no better fielding third baseman that we've seen here in St. Louis, that's for sure. Scott Rowland at the plate, in the field, in the community, always a big part of St. Louis, and he is on the ballot. The online voting for the Cardinals Hall of Fame, presented by Edward Jones. You can go right now to cardinals.com hof. Each member of the Cardinals Hall of Fame will be permanently enshrined in the gallery at Ballpark Village next to Bush Stadium. The enshrinement is August 18th at Ballpark Village. And right now, available online, you can vote and select two, your top two players on the ballot, and Scott Rowland is one of those. I know it means a lot to you and, and the members on the ballot, Scott, and we certainly wish you the best.
7: I appreciate it. Thank you for your time.
4: Absolutely. Thank you. I'm Tom Ackerman. Let's send it back to Chris Raby. Go and vote again. Vote, vote, vote. And, boy, is the ballot
2: incredible. Cannot wait to see who gets the call for the 2018 Cardinals Hall of Fame presented by Edward Jones. When we come back, we'll check in with a couple young Cardinals. Harrison Bader looking to crack the club miles. Michaelis looking to make a great impression as he's back from Japan and in the big leagues. Mike Claiborne sits down with both after this on Cardinals Countdown to opening day presented by Ameren right here on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network.
1: This is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Ameren on OX.
2: The St. Louis Cardinals Museum has added yet another reason to visit the official World Baseball Classic trophies on display March 12th to May 28th. Tickets at cardinals.com museum. I'm Chris Raby on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network, and a couple of young Cardinals have made big impressions this spring already. Harrison Bader fighting for a roster spot as a fourth outfielder and Miles Michaelis back in the major leagues after three incredible years in Japan. Mike Claiborne with both, and we turn it over to Claves, who first sits down with the young Cardinals.
3: Well, Harrison Bader is with us, and it's good to see you. And first of all, how's
8: spring training going for you? Always good to see you as well. Uh, spring training's going good. You know, the biggest thing is just uh, crawling before you walk. Um, so just building up, getting good reps in, playing good defense around the base as well, and just working hard every day. It's been really successful.
3: What did you want to work on coming into this spring? Because every year, guys go away, go away at the end of the season. They say, all right, I want to try this, this, and that. You do those things, and then you want to add a little bit more to it. So what did you try and
8: do? yeah i mean i think the biggest thing i mean obviously you know how it goes you're always working on hitting it and everything but i think the biggest thing i just keep pounding you know into uh into my my routine is just that play coverage and just being able to defend yourself on all pitches and and being able to to really kind of limit those holes you might have in your swing or or just strengthen what it is you don't really do too well I, i really do i'm a firm believer in in uh you know maximizing your strengths and and doing that but at the same time you know you gotta take a step back sometimes and and understand what you're not too good at and uh you know try and get better so i think just that
3: you know everybody tries to make that adjustment when
8: did you recognize what they were trying to do to you i mean i think you realize pretty quickly up there (laughs) what their uh plan of attack is but uh me you know i think i think a lot of that too it, it doesn't have to do with uh you know i'm 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 you know not good at this i need to you know, kind of defend myself. I think it's more along the lines of I'm going to get better at this, and that's the approach I've been taking, and that's kind of how I'm going. I'm, I'm really, I'm busting my behind to, to you know, just, just really just get better at all facets in my game. One of the things
3: that I know that coming into the spring for you, everybody say, well, he's vying for one of the, the, the fourth or the fifth outfielder spot, but I kind of think this ball club is going to play a lot of guys. I think if you show up to the ballpark, there's a good chance you're going to play. Is that the approach you're taking?
8: Yeah, I mean, my approach every day, regardless of what, you know, your quote-unquote role is, is you prepare like you're playing every single day. And, and whether that does, in fact, happen and you're in that certain lineup or not, it doesn't matter. There's there's always stuff to do. There's always, you know, a, a task at hand for the day. So so my approach is just to prepare as if I'm playing every day. And when I'm called on, stay fresh, stay consistent, and, and just do some damage up there.
3: All right, tell me about the off season. What did you do? Did a little traveling, spent some time with the family. Um... Well, see see, when we talk about traveling, it's just not like you going to
8: Chicago or something and hanging out for the weekend. Where did you go? <laughs> I uh, actually took a trip to Europe with uh, some really close friends, and it was interesting. The people out there, they're really so chivalrous. And, uh, you know, I-, I loved every second of the people out there that were wonderful, but, uh, yeah, they really were so chivalrous. Yeah, you know, when you run across the
3: chivalrous people these days, it- it's something you certainly remember.
8: Oh, yeah, you you absolutely remember that show, Chivalry, so... Uh, That was a great experience for me and my friends, and uh, yeah, I mean, that that was very nice, but I'm happy to be back and happy to get to work.
3: All right, as far as this this spring is concerned, you're healthy, (laughs) you have a lot of good times on and off the field, but but one of the things that we've noticed about you is you put work in. What are some of the things that you've learned from watching other guys who've been in the big show for a while? What have you tried to
8: take away from some of the other guys? Oh, man, so much. Um, I think the biggest thing is, you know, when you see guys like Adam Wainwright, you know, who's who's had such an incredible career and he's still out here working just as hard and and finding ways to just constantly make himself better. You you look at that and you know as a young cat you go, "Well, well damn, you know, I really got to I really got to get to it." And not that I necessarily need to be pushed because I do love to work It's such a short window. You know, you you get in and out of this game quicker than you can blink. So um, I just lay it all out there. But it is it is very refreshing to see guys like that who, get, who again, just have such incredible careers going out there, sweating, getting better. So uh, I definitely want to emulate my myself and my my game off of that. What's it going to be like uh, being on the ball club when you open up in New York? How many tickets do you think you'll leave that day? <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I'll tell you what right now. when If I'm on that plane, I really hope I am, I'll, I'll let you know. But for right now, I'm just staying focused, and I'm living in my own head, my own bubble, and I'm just – I'm working hard every day and doing what I can to show some value.
3: Always good to visit with you. I'm looking forward to seeing you in New York and throughout the season.
8: Oh, yeah, all the same, baby.
2: From the outfield to the pitching mound, Miles Michaelis was fantastic. Last week in West Palm Beach, outdueling Justin Verlander in his third start of the spring. Klaibs has more with the import fresh from the Japanese League.
3: Well, Miles Michaelis was with us, and first of all, congratulations on that great outing on Friday night. Uh, man, you seemed like he had everything going from the first pitch of the ball game.
9: Yeah, I felt a lot more in control, and I had been working uh, in between my last start and this one on uh, working on a few things and uh, being a little more mentally prepared for the game, and it all paid off.
3: What was working for you? It seemed like you were establishing pitches inside, first of all, and, man, you reared back a few times and showed them a, a bona fide heater as well.
9: Yeah, uh, you know, it's nice to be ahead in the count a little bit more often. You know, enables you to kind of rear back and let a few eat uh establish that inside pitch to help make everything away a little more effective.
3: And this is a good team you face in Houston. I mean they don't strike out a lot. Uh they know how to work a pitcher's count, but you seem to stay away from that as you mentioned getting ahead and the count. But what about your defense behind you? They really bailed you out also. Yeah, I mean we got a great
9: defense uh so I know if I can keep the ball on the ground, you know they had a couple hits uh you know through the infield on the ground finding those holes, but I know that if I keep it on the ground enough uh, that they're going to make some great plays and they turn some really nice double plays back there.
3: I know you came over from Japan and I know we talked once before about how they teach balance over there. They stress balance. Mm-hmm. How have you been able to apply it on a big league mound in the majors? Because that's a little different as well, isn't it?
9: Yeah, the mound's just a little bit different. Um, I think for me it was just kind of going out there and remembering those things that I had worked on and not trying to overdo it as much uh, just kind of staying more balanced uh, stay within my box out there and kind of stay within myself
3: did you feel like you were kind of overdoing it early on i mean you're back home you're playing at home you're back in the big leagues and you got a contract some guys overdo it and not even realize it yeah i think that might have been the
9: uh... you know might have been it. maybe try to you know try too hard to live up to expectations or you know try to go out there and do a little too much uh, i think every player is probably guilty of that uh, from time to time and uh... Maybe I let the my feet start moving a little too quick, uh, so it's good to kind of be a little more relaxed and kind of just
3: uh, rear back and let it eat. I know Mike Maddox has talked a lot about maybe trying to be up in the zone, a few more four seamers. You were a guy that threw down in the zone. Have you found that balance point yet in being able to pitch to hitters who are with the upward swing now and the launch angle compared to what you were accustomed to in Japan? I. I think I'm uh,
9: definitely working that way. I mean, that's a big trust thing. Uh, you know, traditionally, you're you're told from a very young age, uh, keep the ball down, get some ground balls. But I think now more than ever, there's a time and a place uh, to be down, and there's a time and a place to be up. So as I work more in my bullpens and in the games, that is something that I'm working towards. Uh, I think it's, it's going to be a big part of uh, every pitcher's arsenal uh, working forward with the approach that hitters
3: are taking now. All right, now you guys, the pitchers, now have bats in their hands. What kind of hitter were you?
9: Uh, I think I batted like 070 over there last year, but I threw a dinger in for a good measure.
3: All right, well, look, first of all, it's great to watch you work. Keep it up, build on it for sure, and uh, we'll see you at your next start. And by the way, the Earl Flynn mustache is working.
9: Thank you very much. I saw someone on Twitter had compared it to uh, uh, Doc Holliday from Tombstone, so. <laughs> I really liked that movie, so I was excited about that. Thank you, sir. Thank you.
2: Thank you to Miles and Harrison Bader. Looking forward to seeing both of them on the field for the Cardinals this year. We'll come back and tell you how you can do that. Martin Coco joins me next to talk tickets in a new area in Bush Stadium that you can get to with the Standing Room Budweiser Ballpark Pass. That's after this on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Amarin on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network.
1: This is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amran on KMOX.
2: Welcome back to Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren. Chris Raby with you, and we welcome Martin Coco, the director of ticket sales and marketing to the program. As we get said, Martin, the countdown is is really on. Two weeks from tomorrow is opening day in New York. Three weeks from tomorrow, opening day at Bush Stadium. Does it feel like it? At least the sun's been out the last couple of days.
10: It feels like it, and if you walk around the ballpark, Chris, you'll see... All kinds of activity going on uh, with the uh, construction crews and cleaning crews and everybody furiously getting Bush Stadium ready. So, yeah, three weeks, uh, ready or not, here we go.
2: All right, a lot of people have asked me, as we've talked about tickets for the last couple of months, Martin, about the Budweiser Ballpark Pass, wondering if it's back. Of course, last year you guys uh, let people have the opportunity to buy a standing-room-only ticket for every home game, excluding opening day. We know it's back. Give us an idea of what's going on and what people need to know.
10: Well, uh, you mentioned that last year we, we introduced this, uh, the ballpark pass. It was very popular. We uh, we got a lot of great feedback, uh, just another new, different way to take in Cardinals baseball. So uh, it is back, and we now, uh, for 2018, have a new naming rights partner. So Budweiser will be the presenting partner for the Budweiser Ballpark Pass, and it's the same product as last year. The price is the same. So you pay $29.99 per month. It's a subscription product. So when you sign up, that means you'll get a standing room ticket delivered to your smartphone for every game except for opening day. Um, so you get that smartphone uh, ticket delivered. You take your smartphone to the gate just like you would with a paper ticket, and they'll scan it right there uh, on the ballpark app, and you're in the ballpark. Um, the good news is uh, in the past we've, uh, we've had plenty of great standing room areas and kind of social areas throughout the ballpark. But this year for 2018, as we have even discussed on your show previously, um, we're introducing a new area also presented by Budweiser, the Budweiser Terrace in Wright Field. So we feel like these two things go together perfectly, uh, a new standing room uh, social area in right Field and this ballpark pass, which gets you a standing room ticket to each game.
2: And it also gives you access to the giveaways, which I know so many people took advantage of, Martin. That's true. Of course, that's
10: a a very popular thing with our fans, and uh, this is really except for not having an assigned seat, this uh, subscription gets you a ticket that uh, you're a ticket holder in every other way. So uh, when you show up for uh, any of our stadium giveaways, uh, within the restrictions or the parameters that we have for those, uh, you get the giveaway just like everyone else does. That's right. I just
2: love the fact that you can pick and choose the games that you want to go to, as many as you want to go to, as few as you want to go to. And you mentioned the Budweiser Terrace, but the bow tie bar, the bleacher areas. That there are so many Cool areas. I feel like I should know every nook and cranny of that ballpark, and I still find myself wandering around finding cool spots to catch an inning that maybe I've overlooked in the past.
10: Yeah, and that's what we find is that uh, people take in games differently. Some people want to sit in their seat for three hours and take in every pitch and keep a scorecard. And So you certainly have your diehard fans, but then there's another contingency of fans who are a more casual fan, who just want to be in the ballpark atmosphere, and that's what those areas are perfect for. And we kind of feel like this ballpark pass is perfect for that fan as well. You can decide last minute if you want to come to a game. Your ticket will be loaded onto your phone for every game. So it can be a last-minute decision uh, to come down and enjoy a game and uh, enjoy from one of the, the cool social areas that we have, as we mentioned
2: martin coco with us so martin folks can go to cardinals.com slash pass cardinals.com slash pass for the budweiser ballpark pass again delivered straight to your smartphone every game standing room ticket except opening day uh the all-new budweiser terrace in right field all the giveaways as well and again if folks want single game tickets and they want a seat uh you guys still have those on sale and uh, you still have a couple of opening day tickets available don't you
10: we do. We uh, we have opening day tickets available and, of course, for all the rest of our other 80 home games. So uh, that's what we're trying to do here is just, uh, you know, create a product or multiple products that sort of speak to every fan. So certainly the, the regular seats and the single game tickets, lots of those good uh, as uh, available as well.
2: Martin Coco, he is the director of ticket sales and marketing uh, the second year the Budweiser Ballpark Pass on sale now just 29.99 per month gets you into every single home game uh, except of course for opening day cardinals.com slash pass, and that can get you up to the Budweiser Terrace in right field. Martin, we appreciate it, man. We'll see you at the ballpark in a couple of weeks. All right, thanks, Chris. The Cardinals Kids Club presented by Rawlings Sporting Goods is the exclusive fan club for Cardinals fans age 13 and under. Tremendous membership benefits include two tickets to a 2018 Cardinals home game, an invite to a members-only autograph party at Busch Stadium, and much more. For more information, visit cardinals.com slash kidsclub. Well, Mark Saxon is back on the Cardinals' beat, the veteran writer covering the club for The Athletic. We'll check in with Saxon in Jupiter, Florida, next as we continue on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day. Chris Raby, Mike Claiborne, Tom Ackerman with you, Mike Anderson here in our Cardinals Network studios, and we're back after this in the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network.
1: This is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron on OX.
3: Well, there's a familiar face covering the Cardinals. He is now with The Athletic. That's a fine publication. It's great to have Mark Saxon back covering the Cardinals.
11: Welcome back. Thank you, my friend. Yeah, it's like it's like I never left. It's fun running into everybody, including yourself uh, in the clubhouse this morning. <laughs> Mark was writing for ESPN and did
3: a really nice job, and now you're back uh, covering it for The Athletic. Tell me a little bit more. I know some of our listeners are familiar with it. This is the hottest publication going where it's a subscriber issue, But, man, you guys are really loading up with some really good talent.
11: Thank you, first of all, for saying it's the hottest publication. It is um, kind of fun to be part of something that's just starting up, and it's got all the possibilities of that, right? I mean, we can be a little more experimental. We can go a little more in-depth. We're not to the point where, you know, we have to publish three or four stories a day necessarily. We can do that. It's kind of, you know, the notion is to provide something different you know that people are willing to pay for and it is a cool experience I was a subscriber before I joined you know in terms of working for them and it is fun to not have to worry about online ads honest to God I mean it sounds like a small thing but it really matters and it's it's really been fun so far
3: when you talk about this this uh, publication the athletic you guys really peel off the first layer of a lot of issues you can get a little bit more in-depth you can go in directions that we sometimes take
11: for granted and maybe explain a few things better than what we're accustomed to seeing. Well, I mean that's the idea, and I think that tells you why they would hire a guy like Bernie Miklas, right? Who's just a, a really is a, a thinker when it comes to analyzing sports, and he does take it, you know, a, a layer or two deeper than than some people. Maybe will, will observe the game. He's really he'll dig into the numbers. He'll get into some of the personality issues, and I think that's the challenge for me, right? I mean we've got good daily reporters on this beat who are providing you know the coverage of the team how do i do something that's different and that maybe people will pay a premium for and so you know i'm just getting started but you know the process of figuring that out and and uh, getting to do it and the challenge of it is really kind of a great experience for me mark saxon of the athletic
3: is visiting with us and mark uh... You've had a chance to follow this team. You covered the team. You still lived in St. Louis when you weren't with ESPN. So you have a pretty good handle on what's going on. Give me your thoughts about this ball club and, more importantly, what you've learned about Marcelo Zuna so far.
11: Well, I, I think that this is a team, you know, a lot of people are saying they're sort of, there's not a lot of variation in what they can do. They're sort of an 80, you know, depending who you listen to, they're an 84 to 89 one team. I don't see it that way. I think because they're relying on some young pitching. Both in the bullpen and the rotation, I, I think it could go be a little more volatile than that. I think if a, if a Luke Weaver, Alex Reyes, Jack Flaherty, Brebbia, these kind of guys, if they don't pitch well, it could be a long season. And if they do, this team could surprise some people. I do think if you look at it in the, in the long run, that they're set up very well by not signing any bad contracts in the last couple free agent classes, which were not particularly dazzling in my opinion, to, Again, if some of these young guys are as good as they think they are, to really be set up to maybe make that one strategic move in free agency and be set up well for, you know, 2019 and beyond. So this is a little bit of an X-factor season.
3: You know, I, I tell people when they ask me what do I think, I always say I think you got to be patient. Uh, this thing is not going to develop overnight. They're not going to run away with the division at the beginning of the season, but they could have a significant
11: say-so on not only their destiny but somebody else's. There are no team, there are no franchises in Major League Baseball anymore that are immune to cycles. You know, we, we've seen that. Um, as good as the Los Angeles Dodgers are now, as the Houston Astros, you know, how were they six, seven years ago, or in Houston's case, two or three years ago? So there, it, it's a matter of how do you <clears throat> get through those cycles? Are you a team that's going to completely? Um, give up on the coming season in order to think about the next few that follow or are you a team like the cardinals they can't really afford to do that and is going to try to maintain competitiveness while you rebuild so that's what we're seeing it's obvious that they're in kind of gearing up you know for that next wave again it's how quickly does it arrive and you know let, let's take the new york yankees for a moment nobody thought they were going to be as good as they were last year sometimes young talent matures faster than you think it is, and I think that that could be the case with this team. That's an interesting way to
3: look at it, because you're right. I think the Yankees surprised a lot of people. Most people thought they would be very competitive in 2018. They never saw 17 coming, and a lot of times it was because someone emerged out of nowhere. If that's the case, who do you like being a guy that steps up and has that sort of season that makes this situation even
11: more legitimate? I do feel like, I, I really like Luke Weaver. I, I feel like he's a guy who if you watched him at the end of last season, he his presence on the mound was completely different than the year before. Um, he looked like he thought he belonged there just talking to him recently here. You can, he projects that. I think there's a confidence there. I think his stuff will play, um, particularly if he, de- he does develop that third pitch, the breaking ball. Um, Jack Flaherty is stuff really coming on again, Alex Reyes, I have no doubt at some point is going to be a hugely impactful major league pitcher um, you know it, the the choice of what role to use him in could be crucial, and we 'll see them kind of work through that i don 't expect his role in September to be the same as it is in June, so people should keep that in mind. If you have good pitchers, you know, you, you you have creativity. You can use them in some interesting ways, so we'll see what they do with that. But, again, it really hinges for me on some of the young arms. You know, when you talk about the pitching, it certainly has promise.
3: What about the the eight guys you're going to send out along with your bench? Because this bench has still got some question marks as well. You don't have any left-handed power. You only have one guy that can swing from the left side basically in your organization So what do you do about that? Because the way the game is played today, you're going to play 24 at least most of the time.
11: Yeah, I agree with that. I I actually look at this lineup, and I don't see a lot of question marks or holes. It's a pretty veteran lineup. I mean, people will wonder whether there is some regression there for a Tommy Pham, for a Paul DeYoung. Uh, But I, I believe in Tommy Pham's talent, and I think that when you have the narrative to understand about his eyes and having gotten that fixed, you see a guy who was able to be a pretty darn good player basically with one eye, and that's absolutely incredible when you think about it. You think about his story. so. You know, I think Tommy's a fantastic number two hitter in between, you know, if it works out, Dexter Fowler and Matt Carpenter, followed by some legitimate thump and Marcelo Zuna, and then you have depth throughout the lineup. I, I'm very high on this group of position players. Well, it's going to be an interesting
3: season. It's going to be a fun season because Mark Saxon is back. How can people get
11: involved in the athletic? Well, there's a couple ways, but the main way is pull out your credit card. because <laughs> Although- It's a good investment, though, I think, because they,
3: they cover so many sports, and you're going to get something that you normally don't see, and it's not not taking anything away from our daily newspaper. They do a great job, but I think sometimes to supplement that with – a little bit more in-depth information I think is makes us all at least we think we're smarter after reading you guys
11: yeah that's the idea it's 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 baseball coverage for a smart fan um, and it's so cheap Mike to be honest with you you know it's worth it just not to get the online ads and I I honestly believe that it's you know it's it's 40 bucks a year and there's all these 30 percent 25 percent offers so by the time you look at it, it ends up being you know three dollars a month or something I I can honestly say that it's worth it even if I didn't work there there and I like to think that I bring a little something to the coverage so I, I do appreciate you allowing me to come on and evangelize for the athletic it's,
3: it's well worth the investment but having you around is going to be a lot of fun thanks for the time sir and welcome back
11: my pleasure thank you Mike
2: Cardinals tickets on sale now and start at just five bucks the 2018 season is full of great matchups and cool giveaways including six jerseys six bobbleheads two rings and much more get your 2018 tickets today at cardinals.com. Back to wrap up on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network.
1: This is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Ameren on KMOX.
2: Another fun show in the books on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. We talk about all the great publications, all the great writers. Don't forget to follow the Cardinals in style this coming season with a subscription to Cardinals Magazine. Sign up today, get two free tickets, all for just $35. Order now at 314-345-9000 or cardinals.com slash magazine. Thank you to Mike Claiborne and Tom Ackerman, my co-hosts. Thank you to Bill DeWitt Jr. We heard from Matt Carpenter and Tony Clark. Scott Rowland with Tom Harrison-Bader and Miles Michaelis along with Mark Saxon with Mike and also Martin Coco. Appreciate the hard work of everyone involved, including Dave Klein and also Mike Anderson, this week on the Cardinals Radio Network. And can you believe it? We are, well, two weeks away from the Cardinals opening the season at City Field in New York against the Mets. I, for one, can't wait, and we can't wait for another edition next week of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day. Presented by Ameren, I'm Chris Raby on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network.